stories from the first watch. This is both a solo game and an experiment in storytelling. The story and the character's actions will unfold upon the roll of the dice. Once the game starts, nothing is predetermined. The dice are in control. Last time, the focus pulled back from the party to rest on a band of goblins, led by the gruff hobgoblin Druk, who had made camp up on the Miston Moor. Once their scout Kef had confirmed the location of the abandoned farmhouse, they made their way down to collect the captive and deliver him to their chieftain. Meanwhile, the party welcomed Elwyn to their ranks, however temporarily, and a combination of his skill with herbs and one of the party's precious healing potions restored Elmanda to full health, and tended Narvi's wounds. The party debated their next course of action, but once Kilia caught sight of goblin activity at the farmhouse they had recently left, their decision was made for them. Meanwhile, the goblin band came upon the scene of the combat, and, seeing their slain comrades and missing prisoner, an enraged Druk ordered the party to be hunted down. A tense chase ensued across the rocky landscape, and the gap between the two groups narrowed before the party just made the so-called safety of the Shadow Woods. Setting up camp, the party drew lots for the Night's Watch. During Kilia's turn, she became aware that something was stalking the camp. Emerging from the darkness, a huge direwolf, a powerful predator, prepared to pounce on its prey. Kilia had just enough time to call to the others as the direwolf's ghostly howl echoed through the clearing, filling their bones with dread. We rejoin the party at this very moment. Day 2, early morning. Party status. Kilia, 4 of 4 hit points. Almanda, 8 of 8 hit points. Narvi, 6 of 6 hit points. Mara, 4 of 4 hit points. Elwyn, 7 of 8 hit points. Spells available. Shield. Shield. Mara had been dozing for just over half an hour when Kilia's cries jolted her awake. She scrambled to her feet. Elmanda, Narvi and Elwyn were already hurriedly buckling on their armour and picking up their weapons. She saw them rush to the fire, forming a semicircle around it. Elwyn picked up a smouldering branch, which reignited in his hand. Mara's heart thudded in her chest as she frantically tried to spot the enemy. What she eventually saw was nothing like what she had expected. There was a giant, silvery shape at the edge of the clearing. She couldn't make out what it was, but at that moment a keening, terrifying howl filled the clearing, turning her blood to ice. Direwolf! shouted Elmanda, drawing his sword. Stay close! Slowly, the huge wolf stepped out of the tree line and got ready to pounce. Entering combat. 
I'm going to rule that neither side is surprised. Killia's alertness stopped the dire wolf sneaking up on the party. We'll move straight into the fight. I'll roll initiative for each party member, and then for the dire wolf. Round 1. Killia goes first, notching an arrow to her bow and aiming at the dire wolf. 19. She lets fly, hitting the animal in the shoulder for 2 points of damage. It yelps in pain, but is not severely wounded. Next is Narvi. Too far away to attack the dire wolf, he brandishes his hammer and bellows a dwarven war cry. Elwyn is next. He has drawn his dagger and also holds a flaming branch from the fire. The dire wolf now makes its move, running at full pace towards the party. Its movement is 50 feet per turn. I'm going to roll a d100 to see how far it currently is from the party. 55 feet. It doesn't quite reach the nearest party members, who are Elmanda and Navi. Mara is next. Having recently regained shield in her sleep, she immediately casts it again on herself. Last is Elmanda. Again, out of range, he moves to the front line with a sword drawn, ready to engage. Round 2. The momentum with him, Elmanda goes first this time. He lashes out at the advancing wolf but with a five, misses as the beast barrels into the group. Likewise, Na'vi attempts to crack the direwolf's skull, but with an eight, he is unbalanced as it knocks into him. The direwolf retaliates. It lunges out of his jaws at Elmanda. Eighteen. It grabs Elmanda's arm as he swings his sword and bites down for two damage. Seeing this, Elwyn runs to assist the fighter. He swings out with a flaming branch, but the wolf is too quick for him, and he misses with a fall. Mara, emboldened by her shield spell, runs to help, but her inexperience at combat tells, and she rolls a four, missing the wolf. Kilia also lunges in with her dagger. 17. She hits the wolf again, this time stabbing down in its hind paw for free damage. Round three. The party has now surrounded the direwolf. Elwyn pushes the branch into the wolf's face. He fails to cause any damage with an eleven, but startles the beast. Elmanda takes advantage of this. Natural twenty. Seeing the wolf is distracted, he slashes out of his sword, opening a big welt on the animal's chest. For four damage. Mara tries to stab the wolf again, but an eleven again misses. The wolf starts to panic. I'll roll a morale check as it has lost half its hit points. It passes. Hunger has overridden its survival instincts. Kilia tries to stab the animal again, but she rolls a 10. This time she slips and her strike is wide. Navi, winded, picks up his hammer again, but a 6 means his weapon crashes down harmlessly. Round 4. This time the direwolf takes the initiative. It senses Mara as the weakest party member and lunges at her. She looks up in terror as it pounces, but it only rolls eight. The shield saves Mara's life as its fangs clash against the invisible barrier, sending sparks of magic into the ether. Elmanda, nursing his wounded arm, stabs out again, but a five means his blow is wide. Navi tries again with his hammer. 19. 
This time he's successful, scoring a glancing blow off the wolf's back for one damage. Elwyn, Mara and Kilia all miss with their daggers, rolling 13, 3 and 5 respectively. Round 5. Na'vi, emboldened by his hit, tries again, but this time he's not so lucky with a 10. Armanda tries to stab the direwolf again, but an 11 fails to pierce its hide. Elwyn gets a 15. He finally hits, stabbing the wolf for one point of damage. Kilia also hits again. She's getting the hang of this. Another three points of damage. Mara has had enough and she backs out of combat. The wolf is too engaged to notice. It is very badly hurt now. I will roll one more morale check. A five passes. It will fight to the death. It attacks Kilia. Twelve. It tears into her leather armour but just fails to wound her. Round six. This should now be a formality. Elmenda steps forward. Sixteen hits. He plunges his sword into the neck of the mortally wounded beast, ending its life. The combat is over. The party stood stunned as the great beast sank to its haunches, then collapsed dead. Adrenaline coursed through their veins, and it was a few moments before Elwyn spoke. We will need to move camp quickly, he urged. Direwolves usually move in packs, there may be more nearby. The others groaned inwardly at the thought of getting back on the move so quickly, exhausted as they were, but they knew he was right. Shouldering their packs, they kicked out the fire and headed out into the ever-present blanket of trees. The woods were silent, and the five were aware of every tiny sound they made as they moved through the undergrowth. The trees here were huge, ancient oaks, beeches and ashes that had perhaps grown for hundreds of years as well as other hoary, gnarled species that loomed over the party like giants. Their canopies blocked out what little moonlight remained, and the party were forced to rely on Na'vi, whose dwarven eyes, used to be an underground, were soon able to make out a route through the trees. They were so dense, however, that the party realised they had lost all sense of direction. Eventually Mara came to a halt on the verge of tears. I can't go on, she said. We need rest or we'll die in here. I agree, said Almanda. Can't fight no more wolves on no sleep and a dodgy arm. Elwyn had done what he could to heal the fighter with a makeshift sling and another poultice, but his sword arm would be out of action for a while. Can't be long till dawn. True, said Na'vi. Only wolves would fight it just as hard as we did to move through this undergrowth. I believe it is my watch. You manlings, take the chance to sleep whilst you can. The others did not need any further encouragement, and arranged themselves as best they could in a small hollow, surrounded by fallen trees that created a protective wall around them. Na'vi sat on a log and scanned the surrounding area, counting down the minutes until dawn. Behind the Scenes so the party finally gets a chance to sleep again. I'm going to continue the watch and counter rolls from where we left off. Na'vi, five. Elwyn, six. So the party makes it through the night with no further peril, and those who are wounded regain one hit point each. But where are they now? 
the panicked flight through the woods has left them hopelessly lost. As they enter the woods from the south, I'm going to give them a choice of three further directions. North would be the quickest direct route, as the village of Hollow Hill lies due north of the Shadow Woods, but is it the safest? I'm going to roll the d6. On a 1 or a 2, the party is headed west. On a 3 or a 4, they head north. On a 5 or a 6, they've headed east. That's a 6. They are heading east. That's a shame. That will cost them further time before they get out of the woods. What kind of terrain will they find here? Let's ask the mythic GM emulator. I'm going to set the chaos factor to 7, as the party is definitely not in control of this situation. They've had little sleep, they're lost, and they're fearful of what else they may encounter. I feel like such a large forest may have a river running through it. Is this the case? I will say it's somewhat likely. 49. Yes, there is a river. Does it run across the party's route? Again, somewhat likely. 78 is a yes, just. Is there a way of crossing it? I'll say 50-50. And 30 is a yes. It seems unlikely there will be a bridge in this remote part of the forest, so I'm going to imagine that the crossing is a series of stepping stones. The river is likely to be deep and fast moving, with a difficult descent down a steep rocky bank on either side. The party had travelled slowly and laboriously for an hour or so, forcing their way through waist-high ferns and massed ranks of bracken that tore at them with vicious serrated thorns. Narvi chivalrously beat a path through using his warhammer in the manner of a scythe and stomping down the undergrowth, making it easier for those following him. Elmander swore under his breath and swiped the plants irritably with his sword until Elwyn warned him he would likely attract further attention from the malign forces in the woods. Gradually, the sound of water could be heard in the distance and within a few minutes the party came across a wide gully at the bottom of which, twenty or so feet down, was a raging river tearing through the gap in the woods at a ferocious pace. That's not good, said Kilia. How are we going to cross this? Elwyn squinted, and then pointed. Look, fifty feet to the left. There are some stepping stones. They look large enough to bear us. If we can get down the slope, then that will see us across. Then it's another huge climb back up the other side, grumbled Elmander. The alternative is to retrace our steps, and I do not wish to face those brambles again, Navi retorted. I would rather fight a horde of trolls and ogres. Mara shivered. Don't tempt the fates. There are footholds in the slopes, said Elwyn. We should be able to make it across. We should go quickly. Any time we stand still increases the chance of someone or something finding us. Kilia nodded and began to guide herself backwards down the precarious cliff edge. Behind the scenes. I will have the party roll three dexterity checks, one for descending the bank, one for crossing the river, and one for ascending the opposite bank. I'll roll for each obstacle in turn. 
Using the basic fantasy rules for ability rolls, the characters will each need to roll a 17 or more on a d20, taking into account their modifiers. If a character fails two rolls, I'll say they lose a hit point due to the accumulated bumps and bruises they suffer. If they fail all three, they will lose two hit points, plus I'll roll for a forest encounter as their clumsiness may have attracted attention. Let's see how the characters fare on the mud-slicked downward bank. Kilia, 21, including her plus two bonus. She shins down the bank to the river's edge with ease. Elmanda, 10, even with his plus one bonus, Elmanda slips and falls down the bank. His injured arm has cost him. Narvi, only a nine. The dwarf is not the most nimble of folk and gets his foot stuck in a tree root. Mara, a six. The mage trips on her long dress and falls on her knees at the bottom of the slope. Elwyn, a twelve. The elderly herbalist has not yet recovered from his ordeal and his dexterity is not what it was. Next, the party has to cross the fast-flowing river. The stepping stones are narrow, slippery and unstable. Again, the party will need to roll a 17 or more to cross without incident. Kilia, an 18. Again, the stones present no problem and she practically skips across them. Almanda, 18. This time the fighter composes himself and crosses the river with ease. Navi, another 18. Narvi feels more sure on flat ground and stomps across the stepping stones. Mara, 16. Poor Mara just fails to stay upright on the last stone, slipping backward on the wet surface and landing heavily. She loses one hit point. Elwyn, 17. Elwyn also almost slips on the final stone, but manages to right himself just in time. The party have all made it safely to the opposite bank, but now they have to climb up the steep slope to safety. Kilia, 8. This is the first slip for the rogue, but she manages to stop her fall and make it to the top of the bank. Almanda, 10. Almanda struggles again with only one good arm and falls into the bank, winding himself for one point of damage. Narvi, 5. The dwarf slips down the bank and lands awkwardly on his ankle, losing one hit point. Mara, three. It's not Mara's morning. She topples back from halfway up the bank and lands on her back, losing another hit point. Elwyn, five. Mara's fall catches Elwyn and he tumbles down with her, again losing one hit point. They are bruised and battered, but the party have made it across the raging river. Day 2, Morning Party Status Kilia, 4 of 4 hit points Elmanda, 6 of 8 hit points Navi, 5 of 6 hit points Mara, 2 of 4 hit points Elwyn, 6 of 8 hit points Spells available There are no spells available the party sat breathless at the top of the opposite bank. I hate this forest, moaned Mara feebly. She turned to Elwyn, reddening. I'm sorry, Master Elwyn. I did not mean to pull you down with me. Elwyn chuckled. 
No need to worry, my child. I have had worse injuries, and in other circumstances it would have been very humorous. In any case, we're all alive, and I now have a greater idea of our bearings. This river is the Galadis. It runs from southwest to northeast through the Shadow Woods. If we keep it on our right side, we should find it easier to leave this place and make our way to Hollow Hill. That is good news, said Narvi. I am not cut out for this wretched place of leaves and mud. Give me a stone tunnel any day. Care for what you wish for, muttered Almanda. That's likely exactly what we'll find in a couple of days' time, and it's going to be crawling with those goblin bastards. He looked up, startled, as a small deer crashed through the undergrowth a few yards ahead of the party. Here, kid, he said, turning to Killia. Reckon you could bag us a decent breakfast? I'm getting sick of stale bread and beans. I'll see what I can do, grinned Killia. She shouldered her bow and moved quietly into the undergrowth. Behind the Scenes After a trying night and difficult morning, the traveller's luck is looking up. I'm going to reduce the chaos factor by one, as Elwyn is more sure of where they are, and the party is going on a hunt for a well-deserved breakfast. Let's pull back for a moment and see what their pursuers are doing. The goblin band barreled around the edges of the shadow woods. They had travelled throughout the night and had made good time, but they were still many miles from the road leading to Hollow Hill. They were exhausted and irritable. Every so often one would stumble, and the others would snarl and snap at it to get up. Eventually, one of the goblins plucked up the courage to confront Druk. He stood in front of the brooding hobgoblin, forcing the band to a halt. Here, boss, he said. We's tired, we need rest. Need meat and drink, quick, quick. Can't run no more, hey lads? The others, who knew Druk's mood, looked on in shocked silence. Druk looked at the speaker with an inscrutable expression. Little Rich is great, he rumbled. Us lads do need meat, long way to go. But no meat around. What are we doing then? Huh? Some of the more sensible goblins started to back away. And here, maybe, said the distant goblin. Eat rabbits. Good snacks. No time, said Druk. Need all our energy. Druk has other idea. He turned away. Then suddenly he swung violently round, his axe in his hand. The blade buried itself deep in the goblin's skull, splitting its head almost in two. The goblin stood for a few seconds with a dumbstruck expression on what remained of its face, then collapsed to the ground. There we go! There's your meat, boys! Tuck in! The goblin stood silently, then tentatively approached the body.
Thank you for listening to Stories from the First Watch. The party have encountered some of the horrors of the Shadow Woods. What else awaits them? I'd like to thank this episode's voice actor, again playing Druk the Hobgoblin, Lewis Hanrahan. I would also like to say a huge thank you to Simon from Legend of the Bones podcast for his advice, support and encouragement. And also to John from Tale of the Manticore for his positive feedback and for being the main reason I'm doing this in the first place. I'd urge you to check out both of those excellent podcasts. Join me next time for more stories from the first watch.